Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, everybody. This episode of Luke's English Podcast is sponsored by italki, a service that you can use to organise conversations and English lessons with native speakers online through Skype. It's a great way to work on your spoken fluency in English from the comfort of your own home. And the cool thing is that because you're a Lepster, when you buy some talking time on italki, they will give you a voucher for a free lesson. If you really want to fast track your English to fluency, you can do it by talking to people or getting lessons on italki. Just go to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo on my website. Now then, here is your new episode. And uh, this one is called Paul McCartney's Spider Story. And if you keep listening, you'll hear what happens when a couple of beetles meet a couple of spiders. You can also do some intensive listening practice in this episode, focusing on every single word. And then later on, there are some bits focusing on Paul McCartney's voice, the way that Paul McCartney speaks English, including a few fun Paul McCartney impressions. But right here at the beginning, before the jingle even, I just want to give you a heads up about some bits of vocabulary that appear in the episode. It's not really a vocabulary episode, although you can learn, uh, you know, English vocab, bits of grammar, bits of pronunciation from the intensive listening that we're going to do in this episode. So it's not really primarily about vocabulary, but I thought I'd give you a heads up uh, for just certain bits of vocab that do appear in the episode. So I'll tell you the vocabulary now, and then while you're listening, uh, and hopefully just enjoying the episode, try to spot these words and phrases as they uh, come up. And then when you do spot them, you can kind of just go to yourself, oh, there's that word. Oh, there's that phrase from earlier. Okay, right. So the first word or phrase is a bed and breakfast, a bed and breakfast or a and b um, Do you know what a bed and breakfast is? A bed and breakfast is basically a simple guest house where you pay for a bed for the night and, a br- and breakfast in the morning. It's a bit like a very basic hotel, which is actually just someone's house. So it's like someone's house, they've opened up one or two of the bedrooms and they're providing a bed uh, with breakfast in the morning. So a simple kind of guest house. For example, you might say we hitchhiked around Cornwall and we stayed in a few little B&Bs along the way. So that's a, the, that's a bed and breakfast. Next phrase is the, the phrasal verb to turn out, turn out. Um, and that's when you discover a fact or when something uh, is later revealed to be true or to be the case. So when you didn't really realise something at the beginning, and then later on you kind of realised that something was uh, true. Mm, all right. Um, the grammar is turn out is it's followed by an infinitive. For example, you might say, we got talking to this guy and we made friends with him, and it turned out that his mum owned a bed and breakfast up the road. Actually, that case was turn out with a that clause. It turned out that his mum owned a and b up the road. Or, I was standing in a shop and I overheard someone talking about 
recording music in a concert, and it turned out to be Paul McCartney. What a surprise. Okay. The next word is the word menace, and this is a noun, menace, M-E-N-A-C-E, a menace, and that is something dangerous that can cause you harm. It's a, a menace, a real menace. For example, next door's dog, so the dog, uh, my neighbor's dog, is a real menace. He's such a menace to my chickens. That might be something you, you might say if you have chickens and you live next door to someone who's got a kind of a dog that might every now and then like jump over the fence and um, try and catch your chickens. He's a real menace, that dog. A menace. Or you might say about a person that you don't trust, a slightly scary person, you might say, he has a real air of menace about him. An air of menace, like an, a, a menacing atmosphere around him. Or something like this, you, you could say, there was a hint of menace in his voice. So if someone talks to you in a sort of slightly threatening uh, sounding way, you could say there was a hint of menace in his voice. So that's the word menace. Uh, the next phrase is... Um, a fairly easy expression to understand, and that's the expression to to be as blind as a bat. As blind as a bat. If you're blind, it means you can't see. Uh, and if you're as blind as a bat, it means that you're totally blind. It's the sort of phrase that people use. They don't. When the people say that, they don't usually mean that they are literally blind. It just means that they have bad eyesight. For example, you know, you might hear someone say, "I'm as blind as a bat without my glasses." When I'm not wearing my glasses, I'm as blind as a bat. Um, okay. Now, bats, you know, these are those, like, they're like flying mice, aren't they, essentially? You know, bats, Batman. Okay, fine. So, bats are often thought to be blind, but in fact, their eyes are perfectly good. They're as, they have, uh, their eyesight is as good as ours, apparently. But, uh, but bats actually use their ears at night more than their eyes. And they, you know, they fly around at night using their hearing, and I think this is uh, maybe why they've gained the reputation of being blind, but bats are actually not blind. Very important that I have to point that out, just to protect the interests of the of the bat community out there. Anyway, as blind as a bat. Um, next one is a nativity scene. A nativity scene. A nativity scene is something you might see at Christmas time, and it's basically a set of models or statues depicting the birth of the baby Jesus Christ, uh, with Mary and Joseph often uh, shown sitting uh, over the baby Jesus. So, every Christmas when I was a kid, my school used to display a nativity scene in the entrance to the school. So you'd come into the school in the hallway and there would be like, you know, a little set of models. There would be Jesus, uh, little baby Jesus there in the manger and then um, Mary and Joseph sitting over him and then maybe the three wise men, some animals in the, um, you know, in the uh, in the scene there as well. So that's a nativity scene, okay? Sometimes people display nativity scenes in their homes at Christmas or, or even outside the house if they're particularly uh, religious uh, at Christmas time. Okay, um, that's a nativity scene. Next phrase is to bury the hatchet. A hatchet is something you would use to dig in the ground, for example, a bit like a spade uh, or an axe. Actually, I think it's an axe. What, what is a hatchet, actually? Um, 
A hatchet is actually an axe. That's all right. Sorry, it's not a spade. It's an axe. Uh, a small one-handed axe. You know, the sort of little axe that you would use to chop some branches off a tree. So an axe, uh, that's a hatchet. And to bury the hatchet, this means basically to stop a long-running argument and become friends again. Okay, so it's just an idiom that means when you stop arguing and you become friends again. For example, um, I wish you two would just bury the hatchet so we can get the band back together. Okay, um, so technically that means like to bury the weapon that you might use to fight someone with, bury it in the ground and stop the fighting and become friends again, to bury the hatchet. Then... You might hear someone making a joke, like, for example, um, I'm, I'm ready to bury the hatchet in your head. And that would be a joke. Um, if, you, if you bury the hatchet in someone's head, it means you, um, you actually st- uh, stick the axe in someone's head. You attack them with the axe. So it's kind of a joke. You start by saying, I'd like to bury the hatchet in your head so you start with a peace offering and then it you know and then you attack the person i'd like to bury the hatchet in your head kind of a stupid joke makes it sound like you're ready to stop fighting but actually you still want to kill the other person and then the final expression here at the beginning of this episode is the expression to show off or showing off show like s-h-o-w to show off and showing off means behaving in a way uh, to attract attention and show people how great you are but in a way that's kind of annoying. For example, I don't know, if, if you know anyone who's like really good at the guitar, sometimes they, at a party or something, they might pick the guitar up and just you know, play really well. And then you'd be like, oh God, he's, he's showing off again, trying to impress the girls or something. You know, for example, Dave is really good at the guitar, but he's always showing off doing these ridiculous guitar solos. He just wants to impress everyone. Or stop showing showing off in front of all the guests. Okay, so just a few bits of language there. Um, a bed and breakfast, to turn out, a menace, as blind as a bat, a nativity scene, to bury the hatchet, to bury the hatchet in someone's head and to show off there, okay? So, no information here yet about the context that those words come up in in this episode, but I just wanted to give you a heads up about some bits of vocabulary that definitely do come up at various points during the episode. See if you can spot them as they all naturally come up. And now, though, let's get on with the episode, and here is the beginning jingle as normal now. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, folks. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I hope you're doing well. In this episode, um, I'm going to play you a story um, told by Sir Paul McCartney, um, the former member of the Beatles, and let's face it, legend of music. Um, And um, we're going to listen to him telling an anecdote, a real one. Uh, This is a video that I found on uh, on YouTube. And we're going to listen to the story. And I'd like you to just try and work out what's going on. So a bit of listening practice and a chance for you to learn some English from uh, a real story, a real anecdote told by Paul McCartney from the Beatles. That's my Paul McCartney impression there. That might come back later on. I I probably won't be able to help myself. So, um, I'm recording this, by the way, 
in a meeting room in a, a co-working space. What's a co-working space? A co-working space is a, a place where um, it, it's uh, it's hard to explain, really. It's a bit like kind of um, loads of rooms um, and a cafe um, where lots of people come to work, like freelance people uh, would come here and you can do things like uh, you pay a certain amount of money every month and you get a desk, you get Wi-Fi um, and you get some, you know, space where you can work. Um, a bit like renting a little spot in an office. And there are different arrangements. You can kind of, uh, uh, your your company can rent space in the in the co-working area. Uh, if you're an individual freelance person, you can come and, and uh, rent a desk in the co-working area um, and things like that. It's, um, it's kind of a, a new way of, of working, isn't it? And uh, because so more and more people are going freelance and working for themselves. And instead of working at home, which um, is often full of distractions and stuff, uh, it can be much more productive to come and work in a co-working area. So there's a co-working space not far from where I live. And um, I've started, uh, I've become a member of the co-working space. Uh, So I've got a place uh, where I can do all my work, uh, you know, different projects I'm working on. Not just episodes of Luke's English Podcast, but other things that I'm doing. So it gives me a place where I can kind of peacefully come and and work. And at this moment, I'm in one of the meeting rooms. So I've booked this room. um, And uh, here I am. And it's because it's a modern co-working space, it's kind of uh, open. There's lots of uh, glass, lots of windows. So even though I'm booked into this uh, meeting room on my own, I've got some privacy in here. I've you know, got the door closed and stuff. Uh, the walls are all made of glass. So every now and then people walk around um, and they're kind of like glancing through the window, looking at me, th- uh, probably wondering what the hell I'm doing, especially since this is a meeting room. You're supposed to, normally you're supposed to have uh, other people in here with you. Um, and uh, I hope I'm not breaking any kind of rule here by being in here on my own. But, I mean, in a, in a sort of weird metaphysical way, I've got all of you in here with me too, right? So if anyone comes and knocks on the door and says in French, um, you're not really supposed to use this room on your own. This is for meetings. You know that, don't you? And I can say, well, I've got, you know, all the Lepsters with me too. And they'll be like, what do you mean Lepsters? And I'll say, just, you need to listen to my podcast. Okay, all right. Anyway, so here I am, feeling slightly self-conscious with the glass here and, and people walking past me every now and then. But never mind that. I'm supp- I'm confident, apparently. Yeah, did you know that? Apparently, I'm very confident. I got a nice review online the other day. Um, let's see if I can find it. I got a nice review online from a, a website called uh, Student World Online, which is a sort of a, a place that gathers together information for students. Um, studying and it's information about universities and all sorts of academic things and um, they wrote an article about learning English with podcasts talking about the benefits of using podcasts to learn English and they included uh, they, they chose three podcasts that they thought were worth recommending and I was one of those podcasts so I'm feeling very proud um, and uh, because the other two podcasts were BBC Learning English, uh, I guess it's what, Six Minute English, 
and uh, the British Council's podcast, and the third one was me, so I feel uh, like I'm in very good company. Anyway, one of the things that was written about me uh, on the... Um, uh, one of the things that was written about me there was uh, was this. It says, Luke's confidence is totally infectious. We reckon he's probably responsible for a great many excellent English speakers in the UK and other countries. So apparently I'm really confident and that's infectious, which is good. Yes, I am confident. And my confidence should infect you. I hope that um, you gain some confidence from listening to this podcast. You should, because think about it. Um think of compare yourself to other people out there learning english you listen to this they don't so that should at least give you some reason to be confident anyway so i should i'm confident so there's no need for me to feel uh, self-conscious here as i sit in this uh, office with people looking at me through the windows they're probably thinking wow that looks fascinating i wonder what he's doing he's speaking into a microphone on his own it must be some kind of uh, fascinating project well yes it is okay right then so uh, the Beatles, Paul McCartney, telling a, telling a story. So, yeah, I'm going to play you the story in a moment. I'd like you to just try and work out what's going on. So some intensive listening practice for you there. Uh, I'll give you a few questions to guide you. Um, and then I'll go through the recording again and I'll explain it, clarify it, and highlight any features of language like bits of vocabulary or maybe some pronunciation and generally help you to understand it as well as I do. So by the end, it might be difficult for you to understand it all in the beginning, but by the end, you know, after I've explained it to you, you should be able to understand it perfectly just like I do. So this is a great chance to learn some English from a real anecdote, in this case a personal little story, told by Sir Paul McCartney. Now, I love the Beatles. I'm a huge fan of the Beatles. The second, is it the second or no, third uh, episode of this podcast that I ever did was about the Beatles. I should talk about them again at some point. I keep talking about that, don't I? I keep saying I'd like to do that. Anyway, I love listening to Paul McCartney talking about anything, really. And I love this particular video, this little anecdote that we're going to listen to. Um, so, yeah, I, I listen to... Uh, one of my favourite things is to watch uh, Beatle-related videos on YouTube, and there's a lot of stuff out there on YouTube relating to the Beatles. That includes all the interview footage with all the members of the band and anyone else relating to the story. Um, and uh, there's a lot of stuff with Paul talking about you know different aspects of the the Beatles story uh, and and uh, and other parts of his life. I just love watching all of his interview uh, footage and I find him to be just really nice. He seems like a really nice uh, guy. I don't know if he really is in real life. My uncle met him once uh, just by coincidence in a shop and um, that story was told on the podcast uh, last year. Uh, you can go back and listen to that one if you want to. I think it's called uh, My Uncle Met a Rockstar, that episode. Uh, and uh, according to my uncle Nick, uh, Paul also is just a really down-to-earth, nice guy. Maybe that's just what he's like in public and in private. We don't know. But anyway, as far as I can tell, Paul is um, a, a, a friendly guy and a good storyteller. And uh, he's got a good sense of humor. And he's quite down-to-earth, even though he was in uh, the biggest band in the world, uh, the Beatles. So this story that we're going to hear him tell is not a story about how he conquered the world in the Beatles or how they played Shea Stadium 
to hundreds of thousands of people or whatever, or how they sold millions of records. It's not about any of that stuff. It's just a sweet and funny little story about something that happened to him and his mate George Harrison, who was also in the band, uh, when they went hitchhiking in Wales before they were even famous, or I think before they were even in the Beatles. Because, you know, the Beatles... Of course, of course you do. John Lennon, Paul McCartney, uh, George Harrison, a Ringo Starr, uh, all from Liverpool. Uh, George and Paul were actually mates, you know, before the Beatles really kicked off. I think they knew each other before Paul met John and actually joined him. Paul and George, you know, knew each other since they were kids, basically. Um, they used to go to the same school. They used to ride the same bus together. George is young, younger, or George was younger than Paul. Um, um, and, uh, but anyway, they were, they were good mates and they were both into rock and roll music. This is sort of like the, the late 1950s in England, in Liverpool, we're talking about here, late 1950s, um, when everything was in black and white. Uh, so a sweet little story about, uh, something that George and Paul, um, did when they were probably teenagers, I think. I think the video that I found on YouTube originally appears as an outtake from the George Harrison documentary called Living in the Material World, which was directed by Martin Scorsese. Um, If you are interested in music documentaries, I highly recommend Living in the Material World. It's a brilliant documentary all about the life of George Harrison, who uh, is a fascinating person, sadly no longer with us. Um, He died... um, when was it? Probably about 10 years ago? When did? No, it's more than that. 15, 16 years ago he died. Anyway, uh, Living in the Material World, the documentary by Martin Scorsese is highly recommended, not just for Beatle fans. So I think the, the video is an outtake from that documentary. And I think that Paul was asked if he could tell a story about like a a good memory of George or a time, a happy time that he'd spent with George, like a memory of, of George Harrison. And of all the things that they must have been through together, him and George, this is the memory that he picked. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, do I need to give you background information about Paul McCartney? Probably not. He's, I'm going to do it anyway. He's got to be one of the most successful musicians that ever lived. He was in the Beatles. You've obviously heard of them, haven't you? Yes, you have. I don't know if you like their music, but you can't deny that the Beatles uh, are one of the most significant bands ever and also one of the most significant moments in cultural history. I have no doubt that their music and their story will always be remembered and studied and considered like classical music, ultimately. But that's not, all that stuff's not really that important. I don't mean to build it all up too much. For me, I'm a big fan of the Beatles, not just because of their place in cultural history, but because of the the fascinating story of these apparently ordinary guys from Liverpool, their lives, their friendship, and the amazing pool of creativity that just seemed to open up between them all once various factors were in place in this story and the career of the Beatles happened. But um, this particular story that we're going to hear is... is it's, from before any of that um, that big uh, stuff um, actually occurred. Um, do I need to give you any more background? I don't think so. I think it's time to listen to the story. I don't mean to build it up too much. It's just a nice little story that could have happened to anyone, really. Um, you can picture Paul and George as teenagers in the late 50s, in the days, you know, when life was pretty slow, I can imagine. 
And in this story, George and Paul uh, decided to hitchhike to a place in Wales called Harlech. So Liverpool, as you may know, is uh, located just near the, the... It's just near Wales, uh, where uh, like the northern part of Wales, just, uh, just to the east of the northern part of Wales... There in England, that's where Liverpool is. So it's, it's, it's fairly easy access to Wales from Liverpool. And Wales is a place with beautiful countryside and they've got mountains and things there. So it's a place you can go, you know, have a trip to, to Wales. So they chose to hitchhike to Wales just as a sort of little adventure, uh, the two of them. Here are some questions. Um, why did they hitchhike to this place called Harlech in Wales? Question two, where did they end up? So where was their final destination on their little trip? And why did they spend their time in this particular place that they ended up in? Uh, And then where did they stay? Like, where did they sleep at at night on this trip? Um, And how did they sleep there, in fact? What were the sleeping arrangements? What did um, Paul later realise? What did he realise later on? Uh, When they were there, who did they hang out with? Who did they spend their time with? And what did they do? Um, now you saw the word spiders in the title of this episode, so there are spiders in the story and I'd like you to tell me what, well, tell me, I'd like you to try and identify what was their reaction to the spiders in their room and how did they deal with the spiders? Okay. And, uh, finally, who were Jimmy and Jemima? Who were Jimmy and Jemima? Okay, so why did they go to Harlech in Wales? Where did they end up and where did they spend their time? Where did they stay the night? What did Paul later realise? Who did they hang out with and what did they do? And what was their reaction to the spiders? And who were Jimmy and Jemima? Okay, now as I said, you might not understand all of this. By the way, I played this recording to um, students in one of my classes at the British Council not long ago. And that was a B2 class. And they kind of freaked out, I have to say. They freaked out quite a lot because they couldn't understand it. And they were saying to me things like, you know, uh, does Paul have, you know, is he really strange? Does he speak in a really strange way? He he seems impossible to understand. And I had to tell them, no, sorry. He doesn't speak really strangely. He's not like a totally weird person who's got this unique voice or anything. Although, obviously, we, we all do have unique voices. But I understand everything Paul says He's actually a very good storyteller. He's a very clear speaker, a very good communicator. So I'm sorry, if you don't understand what Paul says, it's not because Paul is strange. It might be because you just need to raise your game a little bit with your English listening. That not everyone in the world speaks like me. And that's just a fact. Anyway, let's see how much of this you understand. You've got those questions hopefully still in your mind. Let's go. Best times with George. <laughs> we hitchhiked to a place in Wales called Harlech, and we were kids before the Beatles. We'd heard a song, Men of Harlech, and saw it in the signpost. Yeah, it was a big castle. And we just went there. We had our guitars, took them everywhere. And we ended up in this cafe. You know, we'd try and go to a place, you know, a central meeting place. And in Harlech was a little cafe, and they had a jukebox. So this was home. So we sat around there, we met a guy, and um, 
he started talking. He was into rock and roll. And, you know, he, we went and stayed at his house. So it was great, me and George, top and tailing it in a bed. And uh, he, he had a mother who, who was a kind of bed and breakfast. We didn't realize that. Years later, we realized we hadn't paid anyone. And now we were famous and rich, and she wrote to us. So we go, oh, sorry, you know, <laughs> here with payment. But uh, oh, we, it was great, man, because we just had so many laughs, just like with these guys, these Welsh guys. One of them was John, the other one was Aniron. It's a big Welsh guy who played bass, like, you know. And we, we sat in with their band one drunken night in a Welsh pub. Um, it, was, it was funny, we had this room, and George and I were, were from, you know, uh, an estate, which was, but it, our, our folks were like very hygienic. It wasn't like dirty where we lived. And, um, and now we were in the country, Wales, and there were, there were these spiders, daddy long legs in the, in, in the, in the room. And we were, what? You know, <laughs> the menace, the spiders. So we, I, me or George or both of us took a rolled up newspaper. <laughs> got them and we went down to breakfast the next morning and then we could sleep safely we went down to breakfast the next morning and the, the mum sort of said how do you sleep alright you know we said yeah fine thanks great you know she said did you see Jimmy and Jemima pardon two little spiders no <laughs> no Jimmy and who Jimmy and Jemima oh my god oh, so we had many a laugh over that one all right, then. There you go. So that's Paul McCartney and his little uh, spider anecdote with George Harrison. Let's go through those questions then. So why did they hike? Why did they hitchhike? Hitchhiking, you know what that is, right? That's where you stand by the side of the road with your, probably with your thumb. You stick your thumb out and you uh, wait for drivers to stop and give you a lift. So you stand there with your thumb out. I don't know if pe- does people still do that. It feels like it would be dangerous for some reason now. I don't know if it would be more dangerous now than it used to be, but people used to hitchhike around the place. Anyway, so they hitchhiked to Harlech in Wales. Why? Because they there was a song called Men of Harlech. They knew the song. And uh, so they chose to, to visit the place just purely because they knew the song. I mean, this is, just shows how, how much music must have been uh, important to them that um, just because they knew the song, they chose to go to the place in the song. So that's why they went to Harlech, just to see what would happen. Where did they end up? Well, they end up. They ended up in a. Was what was it? A local cafe. All right, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to uh, back up here and, and listen to some bits and pieces again. Okay, here we go. Best times with George. <laughs> we hitchhiked to a place in Wales called Harlech. Okay. All right. And we were kids before the Beatles. By the way. Okay, what I'm going to do after we've just checked the answers to this is I'm going to pause sometimes and ask you to try and repeat what you hear. I know that that's a bit weird that you're out there on the other side of the world on a bus or something, but even in your own head, uh, we're going to do some intensive listening in this episode. Anyway, let's just get the answers to the questions. So where did they end up? That was the question. We'd heard a song, Men of Harlech, and saw it in the signpost. Yeah, it was a big castle. And we just went there. We had our guitars, took them everywhere. And we ended up in this cafe. There you go. They ended up in a cafe. And um, what was the other question? Why did they end up there, right? Is that, is that it? Is that my question? Was that my question? Why did they end up... 
Uh, why did they spend their time in the cafe? Yeah. You know, we'd try and go to a place, you know, a central meeting place, and in Harlech was a little cafe, and they had a jukebox. So this was home. So we. All right, so they needed a central meeting place, and this cafe had a jukebox, and so this became home for them. A jukebox, you know, that's a th- like a. I, I guess they. You don't really find them so much anymore these days, do you? But a jukebox, uh, it's like a rock and roll thing, isn't it? Imagine a big box full of records and you put your money in and you press the code for the record you want to play and the machine loads the record into the player and it plays your song in the cafe or in the in the bar or whatever it is. So this place had a jukebox, so this was their home, basically, because they were so into music. It was a little cafe and they had a jukebox, so this was home. So we sat around there and we met a guy... Okay, what was the what was the next question? Uh, where did they stay? Okay, so they met this guy, and um, he started talking. He was into rock and roll, and you know he, we went and stayed at his house. So they went and stayed at this guy's house again. This is what life was like back in those days, I suppose. You'd just hitchhike to a place, meet a guy in a cafe, go and stay in his house. Nice, right? Sounds like a nice sort of innocent time. Um, and they stayed at his house, okay. And what was the arrangement uh, at the at this guy's house then? So it's great, me and George, top and tailing it in a bed. Me and George, top and tailing it in a bed. Top and tailing it in a bed. So that means that George and Paul stayed at this guy's house, then, and they stayed in the same bed. Um, and if you top and tail it in a bed, it means that one of you sleeps one way with your head at one end and your feet at the other end, and the other one sleeps the other way around. So instead of sort of having both of you having your head at the same end, uh, one of you sleeps with your, you know, you've, you understand? You've got, um, so one of them's got their head at the top of the bed and the feet at the bottom. The other one's got his head at the bottom of the bed and the feet at the top, you see? So basically, Paul was sleeping with George's legs next to him and George was speaking, speaking, no, sleeping with Paul's legs next to him. So that's called topping to top and tail. Top and tail. Top and tailing it in a bed. We went and stayed at his house. So it's great, me and George, top and tailing it in a bed. And... uh he, he had a mother who, who it was a kind of bed and breakfast. We didn't realise that. Years later, we realised we hadn't paid anyone. That's the next question, right? So th- actually, this place that they stayed in was a bed and breakfast. So the guy's mother, she was running a bed and breakfast in this place. And um, later on, they realised that they hadn't paid anyone. So I guess it wasn't until later that they realised that um, they were actually... Um, staying in a in a bed and breakfast so they should have paid someone and they didn't realize until later that they hadn't paid anyone so i think at this point paul i think they got a letter didn't they they got a letter from the woman years later when the beatles became famous this woman contacted one of them and said uh, excuse me i think you still owe me money for the room that you stayed in at my bed and breakfast and i guess paul sent a letter you know, a polite letter saying, oh, sorry, here you are, please find enclosed payment for the room, or here's the letter with payment. So I think um, he's saying that they paid for the room, ultimately. And now we were famous and rich, and she wrote to us. So we go, oh, sorry, you know, <laughs> here with payment. But uh, are we, it was great, man. Could we- it was great, man. It was great. Okay, so um, where did they hang out? Or oh, sorry, who did they hang out with? 
Who did they spend time with? Who did they hang out with? And what did they do? Let's find out. Just had so many laughs, just like with these guys, these Welsh guys. One of them was John, the other one was Aniron. It's a big Welsh guy who played bass, like, you know. So they hung out with these two Welsh guys, one called John, the other one called Aniron. Big Welsh guy, played bass, like, you know. Um, Paul there is doing a little Welsh accent impression. Big Welsh guy played bass. Like, you know, I can't do a Welsh accent. But anyway, that, what Paul, when he does that voice, he's doing a Welsh accent. One of them was John, the other one was Aniron. It's a big Welsh guy who played bass, like, you know. And we, we sat in with their band. We sat in with their band. That means that uh, they joined their band during a performance and sort of played along with their band. It sounds like fun in some drunken night in a Welsh pub. One drunken night in a Welsh pub. Um, it, was, it was funny. We had this room and George and I... So, OK, what about the spiders then? So Paul at this point starts talking about the room where they were staying in this, in this B&B, the bed and breakfast. And um, Paul's saying that, you know, George George and him were from uh, Liverpool, which is an urban place, of course. They lived on an, an estate. An estate is often a fairly sort of working class housing estate, a place with lots of houses quite close together, a very urban sort of environment to live in. And an estate, if you're from an estate, it probably means that you, you're from a fairly sort of poor or, or modest background. So basically, Paul and George... Uh, were from the city and uh, despite the fact they lived on an estate uh, their parents were very hygienic very clean people and they kept the place kept their house you know very clean and tidy but here they were in Wales in the country in the countryside surrounded by nature and stuff and in this particular room there were spiders in the corner he says you know spiders like daddy long legs daddy long legs that's kind of like a, a nickname that you would give to a sort of an insect with long legs it could be a spider with long legs or it could be like a flying insect with long legs anyway so in the corner of the room there were these daddy long legs and because they were from the city and they weren't used to being in the countryside they, they were kind of quite freaked out by these spiders and they're like, oh god the spiders the spiders the menace the spiders <laughs> uh there was I, I quite i quite enjoy imagining them being so freaked out oh spiders like that, because they were like these soft city boys out there in the countryside. Like, you know, and we, we sat in with their band one drunken night in a Welsh pub. Um, it, was, it was funny, we had this room, and George and I were, were from, you know, uh, an estate, which was, but it, our, our folks were like very hygienic. It wasn't like dirty where we lived. And, um, and now we were in the country, Wales, and there were, there were these spiders Daddy Longlegs in the in in the in the room, and we were, what you know <laughs> the menace the spiders. So we, I, me or George or both of us, took a rolled up newspaper, got them. Me or George or both of us took a rolled up newspaper, right? A rolled up newspaper. You take a newspaper, roll it up into a weapon. A rolled up newspaper. So me and George, you know, George or me or both of us took a rolled up newspaper and boop, boop, got them. So they killed the spiders with the newspaper because they were so scared. You know, they took, oh, boop, boop, took out the spiders oh, and then they could relax and then they could actually sleep. I find it quite funny that they couldn't sleep in the room. I mean, spiders in, in the UK, we don't have any dangerous spiders in the UK. We don't really have any dangerous animals 
This may be a very rare snake called an adder, which does have a poisonous bite. Bite. We do have one poisonous snake in in the UK, but it's very rare. I've never seen one. I think actually. Um, so yeah, the UK in terms of its animals is a pretty safe place. Um, yeah. So it's quite sweet that they thought they were so scared of these spiders, harmless spiders. But anyway, they they assassinated them with the rolled up newspaper. Bop, bop, took them out. I, me or George or both of us took a rolled up newspaper, boop, boop, got them. And we went down to breakfast the next morning and then we could sleep safely. We went down to breakfast the next morning and the, the mum sort of said, how do you sleep? All right, you know. We said, yeah, fine, thanks, great, you know. She said, did you see Jimmy and Jemima? Pardon? Two little spiders. Oh. No. (laughs) No. Jimmy and who? So Jimmy and Jemima were the names of the two spiders. So they, they were scared of these monstrous spiders and they killed them. Turns out that uh, the mum and maybe the family living in the house had actually given those spiders names um, because maybe they were like, I don't know, maybe maybe they they knew the spiders and they kind of had given them names quite affectionately. And there was, there were, Paul and George had just killed them in cold blood so they could sleep in the room. Jimmy and Jemima. Oh, my God. Oh, so we had many a laugh over that one. We had many a laugh over that one. Okay, so that's the cute story of Paul and George and the spiders. Now, what are you thinking at this point in terms of Paul and how much you understood what he said? Now, I've got I've got people listening to this podcast who do a lot of listening. I mean, if you are a regular listen, listener to this podcast, you listen to all the episodes, you listen to them until the end, then you're doing lots of listening, okay? So that might not be too tricky for you, but then again, um, my experience with my students at the British Council showed me that um, this actually is quite difficult for people to, to understand. I understand all of it, but you know, I was—I'm a native English speaker, and I l- like to listen to Paul. I'm very, very familiar not only with the way Paul McCartney speaks, but also with you know all the accents from the UK, the the Liverpool accent, and all that stuff. So I can understand it without any trouble at all, but for you, it might be a different story. Um, Now, Paul's accent, okay, he's got, there are traces of his Liverpool accent there, definitely. It's not the strong Liverpool accent that you would hear from someone like like Wayne uh, Rooney or Stephen Gerrard or that comedian John Bishop, you know, it's not that kind of strong Liverpool accent, but it is a Liverpool accent all the same. You can hear it in the way he says certain words, like the way he says laugh, not laugh. Ha 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 ha! That's to laugh, isn't it? But he says laugh. We had a we had a laugh uh, about that. Um, I tell you what, let's go through it now again for the third time, and this time we're going to do some proper intensive listening. I'm going to break it down, uh, and I'd like you to try to identify exactly what Paul says in each uh, utterance here. Okay. Now, what I'm encouraging you to do is try and actually repeat what he says. If you can't do that out loud, if you're in public, if you're, you know, I don't know, if you're on your on the train or in an office or something and you can't do it, then you can just do it in your head. But I would genuinely like you to try and identify word for word exactly what he says and do try to repeat it, even if it's just in your head. And this is, you'll find that this is where things get a bit tricky. This is a bit like dictation, 
or transcribing episodes of the podcast. This is where we get down to the nitty gritty of English and every single little word I want you to try and identify. Okay, so let's do it. Best times with George. What's that? Best times with George. Best times with George. Okay, best times with George. <laughs> we hit- Best times with George. <laughs> we hitchhiked to a place in Wales called Harlock. We hitchhiked to a place in Wales called Harlock. We hitchhiked to a place in Wales called Harlock. We hitchhiked to a place in Wales called Harlock. We hitchhiked to a place in Wales called Harlock. And I'm doing a sort of a Paul McCartney voice here. It's not exactly the same as the way he does it. It's kind of like the way I do, Paul. Anyway, we hitchhiked to a place in Wales called Harlock. And we were kids. And we were kids. Okay, fine. We were kids. But listen to the way he says were. We were kids, but it's we were kids. <laughs> we hitchhiked to a place in Wales called Harlock. And we were kids. Before the Beatles. Before the Beatles. Before the Beatles. We'd heard a song, Men of Harlock. We'd heard a song, Men of Harlock. We'd heard, we'd heard. That's we had heard a song. We'd heard a song called Men of Harlock. So we'd heard a song because they they had heard the song before they went. That's why he's using past perfect tense there. Uh, we had heard a song, Men of Harlock. So they heard the song actually before they chose to go. And we were kids before the Beatles. We'd heard a song, Men of Harlock. Saw it, signpost, yeah. We saw it, signpost, yeah. Okay, so his sentence kind of breaks down there a little bit. We'd seen this, we, you know, we'd, we'd heard the song Men of Harlech and we saw it and saw the signpost, yeah. <laughs> I think what he means is that when they were hitchhiking, they saw the signpost for Harlech and they chose to, 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 to go there, right? Yeah, meaning, yeah, let's go to Harlech. We'd heard a song Men of Harlech and saw it and signpost, yeah. It was a big castle. It was a big castle. A big, I would say, a big castle. He said, you know, there was a big castle. Doesn't doesn't say the sentence fully. He just says something like, there was a big castle, or there's a big castle. It's not completely clear. It was a big castle. I think it's, there was a big castle. There was a big castle. Men of Harlech and saw it and signpost, yeah. It was a big castle. And we just went there. We had our guitars. And we just went there. We had our guitars. And we just went there. We had our guitars. In the classroom, what I would be doing is actually asking individual students in the room to repeat each little piece. And as a teacher, this is where you have to like take control of the classroom quite sort of... Uh, you have to you know, make an effort to take control of the class quite strongly in order to really force everyone to try and repeat. And I really want to try and make you do that, because if you don't, if you're just listening, you're not really getting stuck into the language. You know, you need to try and either repeat or at least repeat it in your head. Okay, that's what's going to make this exercise work. Otherwise, you're just hearing it again and again. I want you to be involved in this, all right? So try and repeat what you're hearing. We just went there. We had our guitars, took them everywhere. We had our guitars, took them everywhere. 
We had our guitars, took them everywhere. We had our guitars, took them everywhere. And we ended up in this cafe. What? What was that? And we, and we what? And we ended up in this cafe. 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 You know the phrase, end up. It's a very common phrasal verb. I use it all the time. And we ended up in this cafe, meaning that was the place, that, at the end of their trip, they, their, their final destination was this cafe. We ended up in this cafe. And we ended up in this cafe. You know, we try and go to a place. You know, we try and go to a place or we'd try and go to a place. You know, a central meeting place in you know, a central meeting place. And Harlick was a little cafe, and it had a jukebox. And it had a jukebox. So this was home. So this was home. Okay, not too, not too difficult, is it? Or is it? I don't know. Let me know in the comments section. I want to know how much you understand of what Paul is saying. And also this whole technique that I'm doing... I do this a lot in class. I like to do this in class, make my students repeat what they're hearing and then use that as the basis of exploring language. It's, it involves a lot of interaction between me and the students. The me, the students, the video, the students, me, the video, the, the, the whiteboard where I'm writing things up. A uh, lot of interaction. It gets very intense. Um, I wonder how it works on the podcast. Is this, a, is this, getting into, is this helping you get into the specifics here? Of what he's saying? Are you listening intensely here? You should be. So we sat around there. We met a guy. What was that? Box. So this was home. So we sat around there. We met a guy. So we what? Box. So this was home. So we sat around there. We. So we sat around there. So we sat around there. Now you can understand what we sat there would mean, right? Obviously, you'd just sit in a place, sit in the cafe. But we sat around. It's a bit like, it's interesting that, to sit around, to hang around, to stand around. That just means just generally spend time in a place. If you stand around in the street, uh, on the street corner, it's just standing around on the street corner. It means just generally uh, spending time standing on the street corner. Um, okay, and to hang around means to socialize or just generally spend time in a place or with some people. In this case, we sat around in the cafe because I guess they were sitting uh, on the tables, not on the tables, at the tables, sitting at the tables in the cafe, just generally maybe sitting on this seat, that seat. You know, we sat around in the cafe. And they had a jukebox. So this was home. So we sat around there. We met a guy and... Um yeah, fine. We met a guy. We met a guy. And um, he started talking. He was into rock and roll. He, he started talking. He started talking. He was into rock and roll. He was into rock and roll. If, remember, if you're into something, it means you're interested in it. Um, you know, you like it. Uh-huh. So I'm into rock and roll. I'm really into the Beatles. What kind of music are you into? I'm really into the Beatles, for example. So we met a guy, he was into rock and roll. And um, he started talking, he was into rock and roll. And, you know, he, we went and stayed at his house. And, you know, we... started talking, he was into rock and roll. And, you know, he, we went and stayed at his house. We went and stayed at his house. You can hear in the way that he says that as well, 
that he's kind of saying, you can hear there's a bit of attitude in his voice sort of saying, yeah, we just went and stayed at his house. Like just this guy that we met and five minutes later, it was like, hey, do you want to come and stay at my house? Like, oh, okay. You know, uh, it's something about the intonation in his voice includes that attitude of like, wasn't it surprising that we just met this guy and even though we didn't know him, we just agreed to go and stay at his house and it was all innocent and fun. And, you know, he, we went and stayed at his house. So it's great, me and George top and tailing it in a bed. So it was great. Very, that's very Paul, that. It was great, you know, me and George just top and tailing it in the bed. Very Paul, this, the way he's speaking like that. It was great, you know, yeah. Very Paul, that kind of thing. We went and stayed at his house. So it's great, me and George top and tailing it in a bed. And uh, he, he had a mother who, who was a kind of bed and breakfast. We'd- and he, he had a mother, it was a kind of bed and breakfast. He had a mother, it was a kind of bed and breakfast. And... Uh, he, he had a mother who, who was a kind of bed and breakfast. Now, this, this is actually very natural speech. This is the way that people really speak, okay? This is not a scripted uh, interview. Uh, this is just the way that people naturally speak. So what you can hear there sometimes is Paul sort of starting one sentence and then kind of abandoning it and saying something else and just kind of talking sometimes in in little phrases rather than carefully constructed uh, sentences like you would find in writing. This is the way that people speak. Uh, they do false starts. They kind of start again. So he said um, that he had a mother who, but then he doesn't complete that sentence. He just says it was a bed and breakfast. So obviously it's a bit strange to say he had a mother who it was a bed and breakfast. But what he really means is he had a mother who was in charge of this house and it turns out that it was a bed and breakfast. Um, but, you know, in, in in natural speech, you don't always uh, make full sentences. Sometimes you your sentences end up getting a bit broken up like that. This is the way that people talk. It's the same in every language, I'm sure. And uh, he, he had a mother who, who was a kind of bed and breakfast. We didn't realise that. Years later, we realised we hadn't paid anyone. We didn't realise, like, years later, we realised that we hadn't paid anyone. Now, it's off. It's very common that you have realise with past perfect. We realised, so realise in the past, we realised, is often followed by past perfect. Because by nature, when you realise something, you realise, often you realise something that happened before you realise, you see. So we realised that we hadn't paid anyone. So the not paying came before they realised. So we realised that we hadn't paid uh, anyone. Yeah. Bed and breakfast. We didn't realise that. Years later, we realised we hadn't paid anyone. And now we were famous and rich and she wrote to us. And now we were famous and rich and she wrote to us. So we oh, sorry. So we... So I think he's kind of trying to say, so we said, but instead he just jumped straight into the, the reenactment of like what they must have written in the letter. Oh, sorry. Uh, please find included payment or something. And now we were famous and rich and she wrote to us. So he said, oh, sorry. You know, here with payment. Here with payment. Yeah. But uh, are we, it was great, man. We- oh, it was great, man. It's very poor. That sort of thing. It was great, man. <laughs> Here with payment. But uh, are we, it was great, man, because we just had so many laughs, just like... We had so many laughs. 
So we had so many laughs. Ha, 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 ha. Like moments when you laugh. We had so many laughs. We had so many laughs. Just kind of like, what? But uh, we, it was great, man. Cause we just had so many laughs. Just like with these guys, these Welsh guys. One of them was John. The other one was Aniron. It's a big Welsh guy who played bass, like, you know. Big Welsh guy played bass, like, you know. He played bass, like, if you play bass, 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 bass. Let me say that again. Bass. So bass is a, it's a kind of guitar, bass guitar. It's got four strings and it plays all the low notes. That's bass. Okay, so there was these two guys, John and Adnairon, which is a very Welsh name. Big Welsh guy played bass, like, you know. One of them was John, the other one was Aniron. It's a big Welsh guy who played bass, like, you know. And we, we sat in with their band. We sat in with their band. We sat in with their band. It's a musical thing. If you sit in with a band, like I said, you join that band and play with them. One drunken night in a Welsh pub. Um, it, was, it was funny. We had. It was funny. So this is where he's about to tell the spider story. It was funny. We had what? We had what we had. This room. And George and I were, were from, you know, uh, an estate. George and I were from an estate. George and I were from an estate. So I've explained what an estate is, a housing estate, like a collection of houses on one road, for example. Uh, often, you know, often subsidised housing by, you know, subsidised by the government, maybe. Which was, but it, our, our folks were like very hygienic. Our folks were like very hygienic. Our folks were like very hygienic. Okay, our folks were very hygienic. It wasn't like dirty where we lived. It wasn't like dirty, dirty where we lived. It wasn't like dirty where we lived. Interesting with Paul that you get the impression there's some American influence in his English these days, probably because he spent lots of time in the United States. Maybe when this was recorded, he was in America. And so naturally, you know, when you when you spend a lot of time speaking with certain people, you accommodate your accent to them. So there's a little bit of American creeping in. Uh, what did he say? Which was, but it, our, our folks were like very hygienic. It wasn't like dirty where we lived. It wasn't like dirty, dirty. So that the not dirty or dirty, but dirty. It wasn't like dirty where we lived. So a bit of American English creeping in there. And. Um, and now we were in the country, Wales. And now we were in the country, Wales, the country meaning the countryside. And there were, there were these spiders, daddy long legs. In. And there were these spiders, daddy long legs in the room. In the, in, in the, in the room. And we were, what? You know, <laughs> the menace, the spiders. The menace. Menace, uh, the menace, the spiders. So menace is basically a person or a thing that's causing you a lot of danger or threat. A menace is a, a threat or a possible danger. The menace, the spiders. <laughs> what? You know, <laughs> the menace, the spiders. So we, I, me or George or both of us took a rolled up newspaper, got them. Me or George or both of us. Actually, grammatically not correct, but is it me, I, or it's George or I or both of us? Uh, not me, because you can't say me got them, can you? You can say I got them. So that's why you, you shouldn't say me or George got them or me and George got them. It would have to be I, 
booked and I got them or George and I got them. Although that thing of like saying me and someone did something is a very, very common mistake made by native speakers. People make that mistake constantly all the time, every day. And honestly, some people get annoyed by it. Some people are like, it's it's George and I, not me and George. Some people get a bit uptight about that. But I think that it happens so often that it, if that does make you really upset, then you need to kind of just calm down a little bit. It's not that bad. But anyway, technically, it is a grammatical error. It shouldn't be me and George got them. It should be George and I got them because you don't say me got them, do you? You say I got them because I is the subject pronoun, uh, subject pronoun and me is the object pronoun. Anyway, but people do that all the time. It's very common. I, me or George or both of us took a rolled up newspaper, got them and went down to breakfast the next morning. And what? Was took a rolled up newspaper, got them, and went down to breakfast the next morning. We went down to breakfast the next morning. We went down to breakfast the next morning, and then we could sleep safely. We went down, and and then we could sleep safely. I mean, not not after they went down to breakfast, but meaning he's adding that to the end of the the story about the spiders that they boop, boop, took a rolled up newspaper, boop, boop, got them, and then we could sleep safely, went down to breakfast the next morning and got them. He went down to breakfast the next morning and then we could sleep safely. Went down to breakfast the next morning and the the mum sort of said, how did you sleep? All right, you know. And the mum sort of said, how did you sleep? All right, you know, which is that Welsh accent again. How did you sleep? All right. Next morning. And the the mum sort of said, how did you sleep? All right, you know. We said, yeah, fine, thanks, great, you know. Yeah, fine, thanks, great, you know. That sort of thing that when he says, you know, and great, these are very Paul sort of things to say. I love doing a Paul McCartney impression, you see. I love doing that. It's just great, you know. You just do like a little bit of a Paul McCartney impression sometimes. This is a great way to like, you know, spend the day. If you've just been in the studio all day, like, you know, playing a little bit of bass or something. Sometimes it's good to just, unwind a little bit and just do a bit of a Paul McCartney impression. It doesn't mean I'm going to, you know, write a great song or anything like that. I can't do that. I can't make the same amount of money that Paul makes, probably. I mean, I don't know about his finances. Great guy, by the way, Paul. Uh, but, it, you know, you can just have a bit of fun with it. You can have a bit of a laugh just doing a bit of a Paul impression. You know, it's good fun. Anyway, where that's it. So she said, you know, how did you sleep? All right. And I was like, yeah, great. She said, did you see Jimmy and Jemima? Did you see Jimmy and Jemima? These are the two names. Did you see Jimmy and Jemima? Who? Pardon? Pardon? That's it. Pardon, which is like saying, what? What did you say? Pardon? Two little spiders. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so they lied. Uh, about the spiders. No, we didn't see... Oh, no, we didn't see any spiders. Oh, no. Uh, no, we didn't kill them with a rolled-up newspaper or anything. Oh, no. Jimmy and Jemima? Uh, no idea. Jimmy and who? Jimmy and Jemima. Oh, my God. Oh, so we had many a laugh over that one. Okay, so that was Paul talking about one of his best times with George Harrison. I like that story a lot. That's great. You know what? I've got another Paul story for you, but I'm not going to... Well, I'm, I'm not going to go through it in as much detail as uh, that last one. But here's another uh, little anecdote by Paul. Um, and this is one about John Lennon. 
And uh, you might know that John Lennon wore glasses. Okay. Yeah, he did wear glasses. He, he wore those iconic round glasses f- from the later part of his p- career in the Beatles when he wore the round glasses. In the earlier days, he wore these sort of, um, I guess they were horn-rimmed glasses. Uh, I think they were black or maybe t- t- tortoise shell or horn-rimmed glasses with a, a thick black uh, frame in the earlier part of his career. He wore those because of Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly was an American guitarist and songwriter from the 50s, one of the kind of pioneers of, uh, you know, rock and roll pop music, very influential on the very influential on the Beatles. Very influential for the Beatles. You know, we looked at Buddy Holly and we thought, this guy can sing, he can, he can play the guitar, and he writes his own songs. So we thought, we can, you know, that's what we want to do. That's great, you know. Anyway, Buddy Holly was a big influence on the Beatles, and I think that John had bad eyesight. He chose glasses that made him look a bit like Buddy Holly, but he was very self-conscious about wearing the glasses, and if there were any girls there, he would take the glasses off. But when he had the glasses off, he was, like, really, really short-sighted. He couldn't see anything. He was almost blind. And so this is just a funny story about um, something that, happened with john which just revealed how bad his eyesight was when he wasn't wearing his glasses this is from another video on youtube this is paul mccartney talking about buddy holly and john lennon and john lennon's eyesight on um on a show with ronnie wood ronnie wood is one of the guitarists from the rolling stones so in this in this video uh, paul is talking to ronnie wood from the rolling stones rock and roll royalty on luke's english podcast you were telling me earlier on that got you and john writing was um buddy holly that would be the day is that yeah. true by the way folks just to give you a little task here just a little task you know just to keep your mind focused little task here i want you to try and identify what is the story about john and his eyesight there's a funny story about john and his eyesight now if you don't notice the funny thing then that's that's an issue. I'd like to find the funny thing about John's eyesight. Here we go. Yeah, you know, um, most of the stars then were kind of um, good-looking guys. Everly Brothers. Uh, yeah. Um, well, the Everly's, yeah, they did play. So we loved them. And, you, you'll, and then you had the horn-rimmed. <clears throat> which is Buddy. Buddy. Now, yeah. that was great for John, because John wore horn-rimmed. And he, and he you know, yeah. he wore that. But any time there was any girls around, he'd, he'd whip them off. And then he couldn't see a bloody thing. You know, he'd be like a blind man. <laughs> so when, any time the girls were around, John would whip them off. He'd whip off his horn-rimmed glasses, and he couldn't see a thing. He was blind as a bat. He'd, he'd whip them off. And then he couldn't see a bloody thing. You know? <laughs> couldn't see a bloody thing, you know. He'd be like a blind man. <laughs> so he'd have to say... And then when Buddy came out, oh, yeah, put these on so he, he could get his horn removed. So when Buddy Holly came out, you know, with the glasses, John then suddenly felt more comfortable with the with, with the glasses uh, because Buddy Holly was a famous musician who also wore glasses. Okay, all right. Where's the funny thing? We haven't really had the funny thing yet other than the fact that John is really short-sighted. It just applies to the use of the, the horn rim. Oh, wow. One day we was... Um, we were writing together, John and I. It was on Christmas. And um, he used to come down to me. We'd write in the evening. Then he'd walk back up to his house, which is like a mile away or something. And he's walking back one night. 
And I say, you know, if there was any possibility to girls around, he wouldn't wear the horn rims. Um, he's walking back. And I saw him the next day. He said, do you know, he said, man, so those people on that corner of Booker Avenue, he said, they're mad. So what time was it when I left you last night? I said, I don't know, about 11.30 or something. He said, yeah. He said, well, I went past their house and they were out still playing cards in front of their house. I said, I can't believe it. So I go by there later and it's a nativity scene. He thought they were sitting outside. <laughs> oh, playing cards. It's, you know, Mary and Joseph bent over the baby <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Get your glasses on, man. <laughs> um, that is the definition of blind as a bat. Could uh, not see it. That is funny. Right, did you get it? Did you get it? Okay, I'll tell you the story. So, uh, John and Paul used to write together, uh, often at Paul's house. Uh, actually, they, they would write at Paul's house because this isn't in the story, but uh, they, wouldn't, they weren't allowed to do it at John's house because John's auntie was like quite strict and she wouldn't let Paul actually come in the house with his guitar. Anyway, so they used to write together at Paul's house. And then at the end of the evening when they'd finished, this is again when they were teenagers, before the Beatles, before the Beatles really started, um, John would walk up the road back to his house. And then one night uh, they, they were writing, it was in December, in winter or something, they were writing and they'd finished and, and John uh, walked up the road, uh, uh, I think it was at Christmas time. And then Paul saw John the next day and John said to Paul, you know what, those people on the corner of, oh, I think it was Brooker Avenue, those people who live on the corner of Brooker Avenue, they're mad, right? Because I went up there, it must have been about 11.30 um, must have been about eleven thirty when I went up there, and um, they were still outside their house in the freezing cold, playing cards outside their house. And it turns out that it wasn't a couple of people playing cards outside the house. It was an it was a nativity scene. A nativity scene is something that people, you know, they put on display at Christmas time. And it's basically a nativity scene. It's usually statues or models of. Um, uh, uh, Joseph and Mary um, and the baby Jesus. And so what John thought was a couple of people playing cards outside the house was actually just a Christmas time nativity scene decoration that someone had put outside their house, which was a, it was a Mary and Joseph, Jesus's parents, um, statues of Mary and Joseph st- uh, bending over the baby Jesus in his in his but in his cot, and John had seen that without his glasses on, and he thought it was a couple of people playing cards outside the house uh, at eleven thirty at night in the middle of December. Uh, you had you had to be there, obviously. But yeah, and we love Buddy, and I think the other reason we love Buddy was that he wrote. He yeah. wrote his stuff. Elvis didn't write his stuff. Loved Elvis, but he didn't write his stuff. That's right. So Buddy wrote and played. And played the solos. Yeah. So it was a self-contained guy, which is what we were trying well, to... And he a strap. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things, one of the reasons why Paul might be difficult for you to understand is not just because of the accent, because he, he doesn't speak RP like me, although I, th- I understand absolutely everything he says. I don't think he's got like a very difficult to understand accent. Like Paul McCartney is famous for many things, but he's not at all famous for having a difficult accent to understand all right so it's not something that people think about him absolutely not so don't 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 um 
Like, uh, don't be tempted to decide that Paul has a difficult voice to understand. He doesn't. He really doesn't. It might just be unfamiliar to you. And also, another reason why it might be difficult for you is because Paul is is pretty old now. I don't know how old he is. He must be in his 70s. And so, you know, when when you get older, you lose a little bit of the control in your in your mouth and so you know when paul started in his career you know he sounded a bit like this and he was quite uh, he was a bit more uh his voice was a bit higher and probably he articulated a little bit more uh, and then by the time he's older you know his voice has started to go like this he started to lose some of the articulation in his voice which might make it a little bit harder for you to understand you know um i've played to you before um rob bryden and uh steve coogan from the trip and you know i i say that because of, i'm saying that point about paul's voice maybe be, being slightly harder to understand because he's old I'm saying that, the thing about the articulation and, you know, the muscles around the mouth and all that stuff. I'm saying that because I heard um, Rob Bryden uh, talk about that exact thing um, on the Adam Buxton podcast, but also he talks about it in an episode of The Trip. So um, that's that's where it kind of, where I realized that when Rob Bryden does his Paul McCartney impression. I've been doing a Paul McCartney impression for ages. Lots of people do Paul McCartney impressions. Rob Bryden is another one who, who, who does it too. Uh, I'm going to try and find Rob Bryden's Paul McCartney impression where he's talking about the, 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 the voice, you know, the way that people speak, like the way that Paul speaks these days. I'm going to try and find it so you can, well, listen to Rob Bryden doing it. Here we go. So, okay. So I found a clip from the trip to Spain, which is the third series of the trip. And this is Steve Coogan and Rob Bryden, you know, driving around parts of Spain, visiting restaurants, and uh, the camera follows them, and they have inane conversations and do lots of impressions. And this is this is Rob doing a fairly exaggerated impression of Paul McCartney because he's lost a lot of the mobility around his mouth, you see. So he's, you know, he's, it makes his voice kind of slide around a bit like this, you know. Uh, it's a very good impression. Steve Coogan is doing a Paul McCartney impression as well in this one. Anyway, you can just enjoy uh, these impressions. Here we go. The thing with Paul now is that some of the mobility has gone from around his mouth, so he's got a sliding thing going on, you know. I, don't, I think you're making him sound like he's sort of like you know, something wrong with him. Because it's, I, so I, when I met him, I thought, thought he was you know, quite articulate. And, you know, I'm really, not saying he's not articulate, Steve. What I'm saying is that as he gets older, and it'll happen to you, I hope, he's losing some vocal mobility. Oh, That's no, what I really don't talk okay, like. Okay, why don't you put a sock in it, right? Why don't let you? me... John, what are you doing here all these years after your untimely death? I thought I'd come back to say that I wanted to bury the hatchet. Yeah, and I know where you want to put it, John. In your head. <laughs> in yeah. my head, I'm yeah. Not, no, I not, said it first, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no, not in your head. Not in your head. Ooh. Anyway. Yeah, go on. Yeah, go on. Go on, then. Why don't you go on, then? Yeah. That was good. Yeah, but I know I'm trying to do it the right way, you know. I think I'm already doing it the right way, you know, because for me... They're trying to do John Lennon now. I can't do John Lennon. I can only do Paul. (laughs) Okay. Uh, uh, Yeah. I can't do John. But sort of John sounds a bit more like this, doesn't I can't do it very well. 
but they're pretty good at John. The right way, you know. I think I'm already doing it the right way, you know, because I think, I think me. You're doing it more like that. Like da, 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 da. Yeah, when you do it, Rob, it sounds like, you know, Woody Woodpecker. I think you get a little bit confused because you do Barry Gibb and you, you get confused between the two because John Lennon was very much like that, you know. This is Barry Gibb. Please join me this Saturday night on VH1 when I will be joined by Miss Shalene Dion and Miss Barbara Streisand. That's right, two divas for the price of one. And at the end, he does Barry Gibb from the Bee Gees. Yes. All right, then. Oh, I, I, I do enjoy a good Paul McCartney. I do enjoy a, a good set of uh, Beatle impressions. I'll tell you what we're going to do at the end of the episode here, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know what this voice is here. This is a sort of a gruff northern man. Not one of the Beatles. But anyway, what we're going to have here at the end of the uh, episode is uh, Peter Serafinowicz. Peter Serafinowicz. Peter Serafinowicz doing the Beatles, and I think we're going to have... Th- so this is a, a, a brilliant uh, British comedian impressionist called Peter Serafinowicz, um, who's known for doing lots of different impressions of different celebrities. And this particular video is him doing impressions of all of the members of the Beatles. Um, and this is a parody of the Beatles sitting around, probably around the Let It Be period, which is when... Actually, in in real life, the Beatles around that time when they recorded Let It Be were arguing with each other. There was a lot of friction in the band, lots of disagreements and stuff. And in this uh, parody sketch, the Beatles are disagreeing about whether they should all go to the toilet or not. Hello, Beatle fans, and welcome to Ringo Remembers. You know, people think that um, being in the Beatles must have been a lot of fun. This is actually him doing Ringo here. Ringo Starr, who kind of speaks like that. That's actually a little bit like Paul. I don't care. Okay, so this is just Ringo remembering uh, one of the yeah one of the times the Beatles couldn't get on with each other and they couldn't agree whether they should go to the toilet or not. Well, it was most of the time, but um, sometimes it was bloody awful. Especially towards the end. You would argue and fight. Sometimes the arguments just got bloody ridiculous. I just think we should go to the toilet. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Sounds sensible to me. I am pretty full. You know, why is it we always have to do what you want us to do? Hey, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. You know, we're just human beings. It's a physical fact. I didn't design the human digestive system. You know... We just all need to go to the toilet, simple as that. I really don't need the toilet. You did have that bloody big lentil curry, George. You're not listening. We don't need to go to the toilet. All right, maybe we do need to go to the toilet. Are you absolutely best enough? So we all went upstairs onto the roof and we came up with another bloody song. You got a pain. Deep down inside Look on your face You just can't hide Take a load off of your mind Take a load off your mind I'm talking to you It's something we all do Girl, you know it's true Oh yeah Just go for a pool Well, I couldn't. I tried, but it just wouldn't come. 
John was trying, George was trying, but we were all too nervous. But Paul, being Paul, just showing off, and, well, he just pooed his brains out. <laughs> okay, all right. That's a bit stupid. <laughs> Talking about the Beatles all going for a poo on the top of the, their studio. Ah, oh, all right. I think the absolute king of uh, Beatle impressions has got to be Steve Ricks, who is actually a scouser from Liverpool. And uh, Steve Ricks does brilliant Beatles impressions. I, okay, I think that's enough for this episode. But I would recommend that you check out uh, Steve Ricks, who does fantastic uh, impressions of the Beatles, uh, if you like that kind of thing. Okay, folks, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Luke's English Podcast. It's been great. I've had a really great time. I think I need to get involved in this kind of podcasting thing. It's a lot of fun. Thanks so much for listening. Even if you're not a fan of the Beatles, if you're not a fan, then, you know, you need to just take a long, hard look at yourself in the mirror and just think, what am I doing with my life? I need to get into the Beatles right now. All right. Thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you on Luke's English Podcast. I hope that you've found this uh, episode to be beneficial for your English in some way or at least an entertaining experience to listen to. I look forward to reading comments uh, that you post on the website uh, for this episode. But for the time being, I will now bid you farewell, and I shall return onto the podcast uh, in order to speak to you about another subject uh, before very long. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Bye. 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 You've got a pain deep down inside. Look on your face, you just can't hide Take a load off of your mind Take a load off your behind I'm talking to you It's something we all do Girl, you know it's true Oh yeah, just go for a pool Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. What? You know, <laughs> the menace, the spiders. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.